everybody, and welcome to episode 27 of the Shine Sparkers podcast. We are so happy to be back after taking a break for the holidays, and I cannot imagine a better time to make a comeback after such a wonderful Nintendo Direct. And we are joined by two very special guests, Kit Ellis and Krista Yang. They worked at Nintendo of America for over a decade. They were the former host of Nintendo Minute and now the host of the Kit and Krista podcast and Super Kit and Krista 64. Thank you guys so very much for joining us. Thank you. We're so happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Excited to be here. And we are also joined by Darren and Roy of Shine Sparkers. I'm Amanda. I'm going to be your host, and we cannot wait to talk some Metroid with all of you. All right, so we're going to start off with an interview with Kit and Krista. So, we want to give you both a chance to share your personal memories playing the Metroid game as fans. So what were your first experiences with the Metroid series? Uh, I can go first. Um, when I was very young in elementary school, I had a friend who I would sometimes go to his house after school. And at that point, I had an NES, but he had a really extensive collection. So I would spend a lot of time just looking through the games that he had and checking them out and getting exposed to more games that way. And the original Metroid was one of the games that he had, and I didn't have it at the time. So it was really my first exposure to the game and, of course, to the series, since it was the first game in the series. And I was really fascinated by this very different kind of game that I was playing, um, you know, this expansive open world that you could only get access to by getting certain items. Um, admittedly, I was also challenged by you know, the lack of a map and sort of the unconventional save system at the time. So I never actually owned the original Metroid myself. Um, I picked up Super Metroid after that, and I think I've played every game in the series since. So very, very fun intro to the series for me so many years back. Yeah, I had a similar experience. I actually um, didn't uh, experience Metroid until Super Metroid. I had a family friend. He was quite a bit older than me, and I had a lot of exposure to video games from from him. Um, and I just remember, like, he was one of those like gaming savants who could like speed run the original Mario Brothers, and was just so amazing at these kinds of games. And I, I used to watch him play Super Metroid and was just like slack jawed looking at this person, totally like speed run this incredibly challenging game. And um, I remember I rented the game when we were renting games and tried to do it myself and I was failing horribly. Um, but uh, I, I don't think I really got into, you know, finishing a Metroid game until the Prime series, actually. So um, I was a little bit late to the game, but I, I definitely was very amazed by the people who could play Metroid at that expert level. Well, in your opinion, what sets Metroid as a series apart from the other games? I think it's that's just the sense of isolation that you have and, you know, this ominous mood that surrounds you as you're on a strange planet, uh, but also the sense of slowly getting more and more powerful as the game goes on is, is a really kind of addictive loop of, you know, the pacing of getting the upgrades and not only being able to take on more challenging enemies, but, but explore places that you've seen and just kind of had that itch of, of how to get around. Um, it's a really, you know, unique approach to a game. And, you know, there's obviously others in this quote, Metroidvania genre, but I'd say there's there's still nothing quite like a proper Metroid game. Yeah, I think Kit and I are both huge fans of the the really unique atmosphere in Metroid games. The sense of like isolation and almost a bit of loneliness um, really feels different than other Nintendo games. And I think at the time when I was first getting exposed to Metroid, I was like really surprised by this game because I was used to you know the Mario games and Mario Karts and things that were a lot more. Um, not not as you know story driven, not as atmospheric, um, and definitely not as ad adult, I guess, as a Metroid game. And for me, obviously, um, realizing that Samus was a woman <laughs> was pretty amazing because I don't think at the time when I was growing up playing video games, there was many sort of heroines uh, in video games before. So that part was something that really stuck with me. And obviously, she's a character that I've loved ever since. Well, what's neat about Metroid is like getting lost is part of the experience. And I just still remember playing like Met 
Metroid Fusion for the first time and not realizing that, oh, it's okay to get lost and thinking, I've just broken the game. I have gone someplace I haven't gone. And it's like, no, 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 it's okay. You're, you're, you're supposed to get lost in this game. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm always lost in a Metroid game. Now I've learned to embrace it because I used to get kind of nervous about it, but you're totally right. You're supposed to do it. Exactly. It wouldn't be Metroid unless you were lost and like shooting or bombing the entire environment to find a way out. Um, so you both worked at Nintendo for a considerable amount of time. Uh, you've seen the release of a few Metroid titles. Uh, can you give us an insight into what it was like launching a Metroid game for the North American market? Yeah, we both worked on Metroid games. And um, you know, contrary to what some people may think, um, you know, the launch of a Metroid game was a big deal at uh, Nintendo of America. And those games always had really strong budgets and, you know, we were urged to do, you know, our strongest and most creative work to support them. Um, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, the sales weren't always um, as strong as we saw on some of our other franchises, why it's great to see, you know, Metroid Dread really breaking through on yeah. Nintendo Switch. Hmm. Um, you know, it's also had some some lulls in the franchise, honestly, you know, after, after Other M, which we worked on, there was, you know, a number of years you sort of wonder like well what's what's going on with this franchise but it's you know it's amazing how nintendo's really gotten on top of their portfolio of ips and you know they really seem to be managing them really well and you know those those long waits between games that that we experienced as, as metroid fans it feels like those are getting lesser and lesser which is great yeah, for sure, especially in recent years. And it seems like with Prime 4 in the future, you know, we've just had Metroid Dread. We've just recently got a remaster of Metroid Prime. It's like we're going back to 2004. There's certainly a lot of Metroid at the moment, and everyone's talking about it really positively, which, uh, you know, five years or so ago, I don't think you would have had that kind of conversation with fans. So it, it's fantastic seeing that. Yeah, I always wondered if if the change to the Switch, you know, obviously they combined console and, and handheld development into just one group. I feel like Metroid is maybe one of the series that really benefited from that mm. because, um, you know, it's, it's a big series. Nintendo wants to do it right. But I wonder if, if it often happened to be the short stick of like, gosh, we don't really have the resources right now to make a game of the scope that we want. So, you know, you would get the smaller GBA games. But now that it's just developers making Nintendo games, I feel like we're back in a situation where, you know, we can meet the high standard of the series. Yeah. yeah and the other thing that was always um, sort of unique about marketing a Metroid game when we were at Nintendo was there there seemed to be a bit more um, focus and the, a desire to connect with the Metroid fan community. I think Nintendo realized how passionate that fan base is and um, how that fan base can really help to get the word out about the game. And so I always thought that, you know, it was really nice that we actually had a bit more flexibility to work more closely with um, fan communities for Metroid games and, and do more of those types of marketing um, uh, tactics and things like that, because that's not always the case for other games we, we were working on at Nintendo. Well, I like that you were mentioning how passionate the fan base is, because it's always funny how, you know, I'm a fan of like a ton of different series, but like if I meet somebody and then they learn that I, I like Metroid, they're like, oh, oh, you're you're a person of culture. Okay, then. <laughs> like all of a sudden, like my respectability just like skyrockets. You're legit because you like Metroid. Exactly. <laughs> the long anticipated Metroid Dread was finally released in 2021. How did you both react when you found out it was coming at last? Well, it was interesting because the game was really cloaked in secrecy inside Nintendo, and they were even very careful about who they told the title of the game to. Because I think, you know, if you know the reference and what that means in the history of Metroid Dread, you can kind of understand the stature of the game and kind of the amount of fan anticipation that could be around it. It's funny, though, when people did finally learn of the game, there were people who understood it, and felt that kind of gravity to it. And there were a lot of people who didn't know, and they were just like, okay, 
so what? <laughs> um, but, you know, it was, you know, it was really well positioned in that E3 when it was revealed, got off to such a great start. And, um, you know, like I said earlier, it's, it's just wonderful to see the Metroid series kind of continuing to grow and, you know, having this great, you know, rocket start on Nintendo Switch and hopefully a lot of more great games coming soon that do really well. Yeah, I think um, this one was really interesting because there was so much anticipation for Prime um, that when Metroid Dread was announced, I think we were a little bit concerned that maybe people would be disappointed that it wasn't, um, you know, more info on Prime or something in like the 3D realm back to another 2D Metroid. But that that definitely wasn't the case. And, And as Kit mentioned, you know, if you if you knew, you knew how important this game was. And and I definitely was anticipating this game for a long time since um, since that uh, 3DS version came out and kind of waiting for that next iteration in that um, storyline in that series. So um, it was there was a moment when people were like, oh, but it's not Prime. Um, but that was quickly, that quickly dissipated when, when people realized, you know, what a big deal this game was and, and sort of the type of, you know, caliber that this game was going to be. And it obviously turned out to be an incredible game um, that did not disappoint. And for the record, we both knew the story behind Metroid Dread. So just have Yes. Yes. <laughs> we are experts. Sometimes. <laughs> I, I think just on name alone, you know, even people that hadn't even played a Metroid game before, they've seen Metroid Dread come up in rumors of like, oh, this is going to be shown at E3. This is going to be shown in the next Nintendo Direct. And it's it's dread. And just on the name alone, I think that probably helped propel it to the success that it's had just because of just that name. That's been something that's just floated around for about 15 years or so. Like I remember reading about dread in, in an official Nintendo magazine when I was you know much younger. And ever since then, I've just wanted that game so badly. Um, just wanting to know what happens after Fusion. And, and that was that's what made me want this game so much. So if that's how I felt, I can imagine that's how a lot of other Metroid fans would have felt as well. Yeah, it was one of those like long-time urban legends in gaming. Mm. And obviously like the way the way information spread was very different than it does now. So it kind of had this mystique to it of like, oh well, these people who were really, you know, had an insider status mentioned it, but it's been so long and it's it's kind of become like mythologized. But yeah, if if you if you knew the background, it was a really wild reveal to finally have that pay off after so long. The one neat thing, though, about it being like so long is it introduced so many people to the Metroid series. So I, as much as I hate that there was a gap, it's the nice thing about the gap is that there were so many people who were like, had not heard of it. So it wasn't just like, oh, another Metroid game. Oh, another Metroid game. Now it's just, oh, there's a Metroid game. Okay, this is my first one. Let's all get started. And it was everybody's first time playing it. The name alone was enough to put people, myself included, into hysterics. Because the name Metroid Dread is of, you know, Half-Life 3, Beyond Good and Evil 2 stature. Not Duke Nukem Forever, because that one's... (laughs) That one didn't work out, did it, unfortunately? (laughs) So if we were to get a sequel to Dread, what direction would you like it to take the series in? Hmm. I think... Krista and I have a bit of a different opinion from some people on on Metroid Other M in that I think we both kind of liked the gameplay side of that game. And looking at Dread where, you know, it was a classic 2D game, but it did have these moments where, you know, the camera was positioned behind you in these very dramatic ways. You never want to get too far from what makes Metroid unique or special, but I wonder if there could be something that could be done with that style of gameplay. Not from a storytelling standpoint. (laughs) Not from a storytelling standpoint, to be clear. But I don't know. I feel like that that the way that game played was underrated and really unique, and I don't might be worth revisiting. If they're going to uh, try third person Metroid again, uh, better controls. Don't try and emulate the NES controller with the sideways Wii remote. I think that was one of the uh, big things that was criticized as well. Because you can go into first person, but you can't move. Yeah, I think the other thing that 
we both loved about Dread is a lot of times when you play a Metroid game, you really don't get a sense of what emotional state or what's kind of going through Samus's head. She's so mysterious and you barely see her outside of, you know, the the suit and you kind of see these reflections in her eyes that are very hard to read, but you get these glimpses of her character and emotions uh, in, in Dread. And we both really like just was, I was definitely blown away and just was like, my heart was pounding when I saw those parts of the game. And I just would love to get to know her more, um, not in a cheesy storytelling way that M did, obviously, because that wasn't good. But um, I love the way that Dread sort of gave us glimpses into Samus's personality and emotional state um, in a way that was still very true to the vibe of the game. And if they could continue that or, or push that forward, um, uh, if, if there's a sequel to um, Dread, I think that would be amazing to see. I was afraid after Other M that Nintendo might be scared to try and make her talk again. <laughs> so when she spoke, it was like, I, I just about fainted because it was epic yeah, to hear her talk. Totally. And then to hear her scream at the end, oh, it was That was bliss. the moment. Yeah. Yeah, that was incredible. Like, I did not expect that. Yeah. And... It seriously gave me chills. Like I was just really blown away by how that whole sequence played out. And yeah, it was like the first time we've seen her lose control, you know, really. Um, so yeah, I would love to see more of that if if that is something, um, a part of the story that we, we need to see or hear. Yeah, we need to see more of the angry watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> I think with Other M, it was very much um, Samus's more sensitive side that we saw, and we saw her explaining and expressing herself, you know, as a human. Um, but with Dread, it was more geared towards what I think the fans perceived Samus to be, you know, this badass bounty hunter that's just going to, you know, be strong and, and show that she's strong and, and, and destroy everything. You know, she, she kicks Ravenbeak's ass to be fair, you know, absolutely <laughs> destroyed him. Um, that was, that was really cool to see, um, you know, this really strong, powerful character, you know, you're not going to mess with Samus. No, um, no, so no, no. It's, 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 a, it's a contrast for sure. Um, there could be a middle ground. Uh, maybe we can see a bit of both. We can see a more sensitive side and a, and a powerful side. Um, which it may be another M we did get that, but that's a whole other um, podcast, I think. But, you know, was ever M done right? Maybe that's a, a topic for another time. <laughs> We've sort of touched on it, but we could do a whole episode yeah. on our interpretations. Yeah, we'll come Easy. back for that one. Easy. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of stories <laughs> about that one. Good and bad. <laughs> there is a sense among some fans that Nintendo doesn't prioritize Metroid, and I think you contradicted that a bit earlier um there was uh, a feeling of that when nintendo didn't mark the series 25th and 30th anniversaries like kirby or mario uh although for the 35th dread so that 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 was marketing in and of itself can you give us an insight into how nintendo chooses to market certain milestones over others well, i'll just say that the way that the company thinks of milestones and anniversaries is quite strange so I, I don't think people should look too much into that. Uh, you know, we uh, in 2020, uh, I believe it was, they had the big Super Mario 35th anniversary. And then the Zelda anniversary was the next year. And everybody said, all right, we're going to do the same thing for that. It's going to be huge. And then I think, you know, all there was was a game and watch. Yep. That's true, so, actually. <laughs> it, you know, we, it, you know, working in social media, like we spend a lot of time campaigning of like, hey, we should celebrate this anniversary or, you know, just do something really simple to acknowledge it. And a lot of the times the response back was like, why, who cares? So, it, <laughs> you know, Nintendo very much has a mindset of, you know, we're always moving forward. Obviously, we're influenced by the past, but, you know, we are not a nostalgia company only. We, we always want to look to what's new and what's fresh. Which I can respect, but you know, when it comes down to the really big franchises, it's it's very nice to give them a nod. They they're still extremely inconsistent about the franchises that they give that kind of you know big treatment for an anniversary to, or even just small treatment. Um, 
I, I do remember we did do some social posts um, for Metroid around around anniversaries, which you know was a lot of work, uh, honestly, to do something so simple. But I was glad that we were able to do it so that the, the Metroid community could could understand the love that we all shared for it uh, as well. But um, yeah, I, I just that's my takeaways. I just wouldn't look read too much into um, you know what the company does acknowledging anniversaries because it's uh, it's very hard to decipher. <laughs> yeah, they are very strange about the anniversary stuff, and um, there is really no rhyme or reason to it. Um, but I, I will just reiterate again, I, I think among all of the different IP that Nintendo has, um, Metroid seems to be the one where Nintendo is very sort of tuned into the fan community. I think Metroid is one of them, and Xenoblade is the other one, um, where they recognize this sort of, you could call it a more niche, more... Um, sort of smaller fan base, um, but they understand sort of the passion and the dedication that the Metroid fans have, and, and they are looking um, towards that fan base and um, wanting to hear, you know, their thoughts and, and wanting to um, to do right by them. So I think, um, you know, when we, were, when we were working on marketing for Metroid games, we would always sort of be very tuned into what the fans were saying. Well, it's funny just thinking back to the Mario 35th anniversary when, like, afterwards Nintendo sent out a survey asking, like, people's opinions on how they celebrated the 35th. And one of the options was, I no longer care for Mario. And I just, <laughs> <laughs> and I just died. Poor and Mario. I saw that. I'm like, I'm going, you know what? Everybody that voted, I no longer care for Mario. You're the reason we didn't get a big Zelda anniversary. (laughs) (laughs) That was one of the options. It's so funny. Oh, my God. That's very Nintendo to have that be one of the options. (laughs) Yeah. Did that one win, though? I don't know, sure but not. I still blame them for the lack of, of Zelda. But I, I I just want to know who actually put that. <laughs> and just even the wording of it was just funny. Just, I no longer care for Mario. <laughs> I guess I kind of want to know if, because I think we mentioned like the, the fact that Metroid is a more niche um, franchise. It doesn't sell to the likes of, say, Splatoon and, and Mario and Mario Kart, that kind of thing. But... Sales of presumably two million, one and a half million, two million. Is that still considered a success for Metroid? Just a little bit more information on that would be really useful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's all subjective, and you know, we never got insight into like the budget for Metroid Dread was X million dollars. But when I when I was younger, my feeling was like, all right, well, Nintendo has three big franchises, and it's Mario, Zelda, and Metroid. And over time, we've, we've seen that Metroid holds a special place in a lot of people's hearts, but in terms of raw numbers of sales, it's, it's not going to be at the same level as a Mario or a Zelda unless, you know, Nintendo does something radical to, to change the direction of the series. Um, yeah, those, those sales numbers you mentioned, like, those were very solid. Like, you know, we were never, like, really disappointed in the sales, but it was just like, yeah, it's 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 not going to be like Breath of the Wild or you know Mario Odyssey level sales. I, th- I think the company had the right mindset of uh, the West is the biggest market for Metroid games. You know, we're going to do the the best we can to market it and sell it. But uh, you know, we're, we're realistic about what we can achieve in most cases. Now, you both organized a chalk mural at PAX 2010, which Eric. Maruchak, I'm very sorry if I'm butchering your name, but I I don't know how to pronounce it, Uh, Drew, based on Metroid Other M. Now, we would love to hear you tell us more about how that came to be. Because it looks amazing. It looks fantastic. Yeah, Chris, I think you work most closely on that. I'll let you take it. Yeah, yeah. I think... um you know, PAX was a, a big show for for us with um, Metroid coming out, and I think it was a big marketing opportunity. Obviously, we know that there's a lot of people that attend PAX that were right um, that were probably going to be uh, Metroid fans and um, excited about um, a new Metroid game, and so um, we decided to do sort of a bigger. You know, we used to call them like stunts um, at at PAX. And uh, yeah, working with Eric was really cool. I think we had seen him do some other chalk art for, uh, for you know, just other things that he's done, which just 
he's so incredible. And we love the idea of having him do this really large scale piece that was completed as the days of the show would go on. So you would sort of have to come back and check every single day of PAX to see if he had had done more work on the piece. Um, and then, of course, the idea was him, for him to complete it um, at the end of the show. And we would have this like really amazing, huge scale piece of Metroid art. So yeah, it was incredible working with him. I think the art for Metroid is, is really unique and um, very recognizable, obviously. So having that done in that like large scale format was was really cool. Yeah, it did a fantastic job. Uh, so well done if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, this is a question I've been dying to ask you for five years. Back in 2017, you guys taped a live episode of Nintendo Minute at PAX, where you showed off gameplay and concept art for Metroid Samus Returns, and you also had a fan art contest. One of the pieces that won has a bit of history to it, let's say, uh, and I'm going to post it here so you can see in case you forgot. So I wanted to ask you, did you guys know the truth behind this artwork? Uh, well, I see the AM2R logo in the corner, which uh, <laughs> maybe wasn't there when we worked on it. Is that it? So this was actually one of the endings from AM2R. The artist that submitted that is the one who drew it for AM2R. So obviously that went up on a big screen behind you and, and at the time. I think we're retroactively in trouble or something. <laughs> <laughs> Take us away. No, just kidding. <laughs> I was watching that. It took me a second to realize, and then it clicked, because, confession, I did play AM2R. Don't come for me, Nintendo <laughs> fans. Um, and I had seen that because I was too slow, and that's the ending where Samus doesn't take her suit off. Um, it took a second for it to click that, oh, this is from the other Metroid 2 remake. And then I just started cackling. And it almost <laughs> seemed like... You guys knew, or it, it felt like maybe you knew and you were kind of nervously, okay, let's move to the next one before Nintendo snipes us. You know. <laughs> the Nintendo ninjas. So you didn't know? I didn't know. No, we I didn't have, know. I did not know. Yeah. I can't, oh. I can't uh, pretend like I knew because I didn't know. Yeah. I, I did not play AM2R. Um, so I had no familiarity with this uh, alternate ending. Mm. And I think we were just looking at artwork that, looked cool and this one looks really cool so yeah we definitely did not have any like prior knowledge um to where uh, this could have came from okay and nowadays uh nintendo doesn't really acknowledge fan art at all yeah. so i guess it all worked out in the end <laughs> i guess so <laughs> yeah well i mean th they'll of course take fan games down as they did with this one they don't really d take fan art down i think maybe that would be too much of a stretch Morally speaking, yeah. no, they wouldn't take it down. But but yeah, they sort of stopped doing things like showcasing fan art or acknowledging fan art. You know, we we often would do a lot of fun things like that on Nintendo Minute, where we would do a fan art contest and you know highlight some cool submissions. And a couple of years ago, that that there were some new policies in place around managing artwork and and fan artwork and a lot of that stuff. Uh, not something they really are looking to do anymore, unfortunately. Well, I remember a long time ago back in Nintendo Power where they would have you like decorate an envelope and mail yeah. that in and they would show that off. Right. Yeah. Gone are those days. They're very tight about um, controlling their IP. Yeah. Fan art is no longer a thing that is sort of recognized on any official Nintendo channels anymore. Uh, cosplay is the other one that Nintendo doesn't recognize anymore on their channels. Um, so, yeah. It's a different world now. Mm. And with Samus cosplay, it can be dangerous. Quite literally, or yeah. <laughs> I've cosplayed real work in art, art uh, hand art, arm cannon that you got like a laser in there or something. No, like <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm talking like zero suit Samus cosplays can be dangerous. Oh, I have never I experienced any danger when I've cosplayed zero suit Samus. <laughs> Minus not being able to take my gloves off and taking like 20 minutes to use the bathroom. <laughs> I was going to say bathroom, going to the bathroom might be the mo most dangerous part. Going of that. to the bathroom in zero suit Samus, <laughs> you got to give yourself some extra time. <laughs> right, so finally, uh, which Metroid games are your favorites? And for Crystal, why is it Federation Force? Ugh. 
Don't bring that up in my presence. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in for, tell us all about why you love that game so much. Oh, right? We've heard gosh. so much about it. It's my favorite one. As I say, the gritted teeth. Um, no, that is not my favorite one. I, okay. I was. We were just talking about this and how we both had a kind of a hard time deciding, like, which one is better, like 3D or 2D Metroid? Which one is the best one? I go back and forth because now, you know, some of the more modern Metroid games, obviously, I was obsessed with Dread. um, And and that is like such an amazing 2D Metroid game. Um, But I I will say that probably my all-time favorite is uh, the first Metroid Prime. So the one that's remastered right now that we get to play again, uh, which is amazing. Um, I think because I think that was the first one that I sort of like beat from beginning to end all on my own. You know, I had that that very form- formative experience of like sitting alone and, and Samus being alone and, you know, having that same kind of shared um, isolation while mm. I play through this game that now I, I yeah. look forward to when I play Metroid games. I just like want to sit in a dark room and play a Metroid game and don't ever come talk to me because don't like, <laughs> disturb me while I'm doing this. Um, and that was the first time I, I really had that that feeling and really connected with with Samus in that way, and um, so yeah, I think I think that's my pick. It's a good pick. It's my favorite as well. <laughs> nice, good taste. Yeah, I have a pretty like boring normie opinion on this, is that it comes down to Super Metroid or, or the first Prime as well. I'd probably give the edge to Super Metroid, but they're both like neck and neck. For the record, I liked Federation Force. I think it is unfortunate <laughs> the, the time that it came out and the way it was revealed mm. with. Um, Blast Ball, was that what it was called? Yes, yeah. I, 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 to this day, don't know why that was kind of the first thing that was shown on that game. So it was a really unfortunate circumstance of, of people just having a terrible first impression of that game. But I enjoyed I enjoyed playing it. Uh, Krista and I can continue to disagree on that. <laughs> we will forever till the end of time. I think it was the Nintendo World Championships where they actually preview, like they shared yes. that for the very first time. And I was watching it and I, I, I said to my friends, I said, this is Metroid. And they're like, what are you talking? You're, you're, you're insane, Darren. What are you talking about? I said, no, the font that's been used there and the sound effects, they're from Metroid. And they, they didn't, I said, why would Metroid be like soccer? Why would it be football? It's like, what's (laughs) so, and then it got shared and that was, that was that. And yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was something. (laughs) Well, you were both right. It was Metroid. And why would they do that? Yeah, exactly. It was, it just, yeah, I think the timing of we could talk. This this is a whole podcast, okay? We we can't go into this now, but Federation we'll be back for that one. Too. Yeah, you're gonna be here a while, um, but yeah, that that game was just. I think it just came at the wrong time. I think five years after Rover M, I think it was, and then yeah. no other Metroid. It's it's not the Metroid that fans needed at that time. But I think if it came out now, I think that would have been great fun. You know, on, on the Switch yeah. and playing that. I think we've you know just had a remaster of Metroid Prime and you know Dread. I think people would have let that slide. It would have been like Metroid Pinball over, over again. Was there any fallout over Pinball? I can't even remember if I don't there was no social so. media then, so we probably didn't see it. <laughs> it it came out during a time where there was a lot of Metroid. There mm. had been another Prime sequel. There was a spinoff, and then there was another Prime ga- game coming. Yeah. I think Bayonetta has handled this better because we just had a third game mm. and now they're doing a prequel spin-off which is quite different and experimental. Mm. People haven't been I mean some people may not be excited for it but they haven't reacted to it with the same rage and cancel this game petitions no, that no, uh, Federation Force mm. had. I have it pre-ordered. Well that's because I'm a <laughs> simp for Bayonetta as I am for Samus. Ah. Well, it does have a really pretty art style. It does. It does. Yeah, it's, it's quite really cute. Different. Darren and I have a bit more appreciation, I guess, for Federation Force. Um, last year, we ran this community to give the game a sort of last hurrah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, and we had people show up for weekly uh, playtimes. We would help them get through missions, and then we would play some Blast Ball. Yeah. Nintendo had to fire up at least two servers to run that. That that was uh, that was special. <laughs> Probably the most activity they've had on it for years. <laughs> I imagine some poor IT guy at Nintendo realizing 
the Federation Force servers are uh, running. Did someone break a mirror? Why are like 20 <laughs> people playing this all at once? But do you know what? Those 20 people had a lot of fun. They all enjoyed themselves and yes. everyone got back every week. Friends were made and they had a really good time. So if that's the only takeaway from that game that they have, for those few weeks they played with friends, they enjoyed themselves, then we've done something good there. We gave it a chance. Exactly. We tried our best. The multiplayer, I will admit, is not a zero out of ten. Okay. So nine out of ten? It's like a five out of ten. <laughs> okay. But it's not terrible, because we did we did play with some friends and I did like that um experience. I think yeah. It was certainly I more think. fun as a as a co-op game. I kind it of definitely that, was more yeah. fun as a co-op game. Mm. Yes. I, yeah, I, not I the would, sort of thing I will admit to that. I will admit to that. Yeah, not not the sort of thing you could play on your own. It's not really no <laughs> right but that's great like i think if you had you know people to play with um it, it's it's a good experience it's, it's a pretty yeah. fun experience yeah for sure maybe they can revisit that in the future of a you know just a, <laughs> just a different game a, a co-op experience maybe a two-player co-op game maybe you have to work together and no, that's another podcast we can't do that <laughs> one is a baby Wait. metroid and one plays a samus that would be yes. so cute. Oh, that yeah. would be amazing, cool. right? Oh my god! Baby yeah. Metroid be can go game. and like suck the brains out of out of things, and then yeah. Samus does you know the Samus stuff. Although now right? she can just drain energy herself. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe they Ridley and Samus have to work together, and she can fly <laughs> around on Ridley for a little bit, and and he's like, "Well, I'm not happy about this, but you know, we've got to do what we've got to do." So good luck, Samus, and is all you know. He speaks Married like that as well. squabbling <laughs> with each other. The, the cop buddy comedy that is Ridley and Samus. Okay. Yeah, maybe it's like another Ridley, like some kind of like a, a nicer Ridley somewhere. Like maybe it's not another member of the species, me, a member of the family. You know that uh, that I don't know the, the sister that doesn't Ridley Junior. His brother, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, like Ridley the nephew. Yeah. All right, so we are coming off of the most amazing Nintendo Direct. And so for this topic, we want to share how we all reacted to Metroid Prime Remastered being announced. And, you know, if we've played the game, like, what our thoughts on it are so far. Ken and Krista, y'all go first. (laughs) Yeah, we were playing the game on stream earlier. And uh, this was a huge highlight of the Direct for both of us. And obviously something that had been rumored for a long time. I think we were both optimistic that it existed, but uh, I don't think we expected to get it, you know, announced and released uh, in that Direct. So that was um, really exciting stuff. And the game's just amazing. I mean, it's one of those games where we were talking earlier about how, like, wait, this came out 20 something years ago? How's that possible? Because it still feels so fresh and new. And it's a bit like Breath of the Wild in that sense, where it kind of feels like it came out of the future and is still really cutting edge um, in a lot of different ways. And you can just tell like how much love they put into remastering it. All of the graphics look really incredible and really emphasizes, you know, all the atmosphere and character that the game had in the first place. Um, it, it, yeah, it's, it's just one of those all-time games that... You know, you, you, Nintendo should just put this on every platform going forward. It should just always be available for everybody to play. It's, it's, it's that good. Yeah, I think anytime you get some sort of shadow drop in a Nintendo Direct, it's always like a hype moment. And to get a shadow drop of a Metroid Prime game was unbelievable. I definitely did not see that coming. I think, yeah, I, we all kind of knew maybe that this game existed for a long time. There were so many rumors about, you know, this game and, and, um, and, when Nintendo was going to drop it. And we had speculated a lot um, from, you know, predicting other directs um, a few months ago about like, oh, you know, they might be saving this so that they can use it to market Metroid Prime 4 whenever that more info is going to be released about that. So it was the timing of it always was a bit of a mystery. So huge surprise that it was um, announced and then dropped yesterday. Of course, we all scurried to, to download it immediately after that direct ended. Um, and it was really fun playing it uh, with um, with our community today. And yeah, I mean, the game seriously looks so incredible. The remaster is beautiful. And I was just saying that, you know, enough time has passed by now that it feels like you're playing the game for the first time. That is like, if I had any superpower, that would be it to forget 
a first experience, like playing, you know, a game like Metroid Prime or like Breath of the Wild and then play it again for the first time. And I think these remasters kind of allow you to do that in a way. So yeah, as fun as it was playing on stream, I, I like to play my Metroid games alone. So I will be um, in a dark room later today playing this game and really, really digging into it and enjoying it. But so glad this exists now. Now we can hope and pray for the other two to get to get released, which I have yes. high hopes that it will. I'm just putting it out there that we're going to get the whole trilogy. Yeah. I can't wait to see Echoes. Yeah. Echoes gets a remaster and like how that's going to look oh. because that was just a, a fantastic game. Yeah. So it's it's been it's been wild and uh, and amazing to have this game like in my hands. It's, it's great. <laughs> Yeah, I was definitely expecting something Metroid related during the direct, but I was not expecting it to be a full on Metroid Prime remaster with the game dropping that same day. I was I was actually co-streaming the Nintendo Direct for Zelda Universe, and so there is video footage of me like screaming when Metroid Prime got <laughs> got I, I'm sure I embarrassed myself to no end and I'm totally fine with that. But I, I am very excited. I haven't started playing it yet because I wanted to get the physical copy, which is at the end of the, the month. I think it's the 22nd is when the physical copy is coming out. And I, I wanted to finish Fire Emblem Engage so I can just go on ahead and get that done. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh my gosh, it looks so beautiful. And I just, because I played Metroid Prime for the first time a few years ago, and I had already played Super Metroid before. And so I just remember my first experience playing Prime was seeing so many things from Super Metroid, like, brought to life in a way, seeing things in 3D. So to see it, like, in beautiful, glorious HD is just incredible. Just every little thing I've seen of it so far is so good. I'm trying to not spoil myself so too badly because I just want to kind of experience it for the first time playing it. Only Nintendo could remaster Prime and then just decide, oh, by the way, here. It's like a Beyonce album. We wait for a long time and then suddenly, boom, there it is. Everybody goes into hysterics. I had started to tune out the rumors because I had been badly burned by certain industry insiders telling us that it was coming for <laughs> forever. And then Shinya Takahashi starts uh, a next segment on there. And you just see the room from Prime. And I, I've done too much work with the rooms. I knew which room that was. Uh, just showed up there. And I didn't even need to see the name Metroid Prime. I just knew from the room. And I screamed. And then I screamed again when the show said, available tonight. And I was frantically like refreshing the eShop. I had to restart my Switch because it wasn't coming up. When it did download, so far I've made it up to the Magmore Caverns. <sighs> it's... It was a labor of love when it was first made, and it's a labor of love put into refreshing it. It looks breathtaking. Mm. I I love it so much. Hat off to Retro Studios. You've done well. Yeah, I agree. I, I was in a call with you, so I can confirm those screams were, were certainly present. Um, <laughs> yeah, you also screamed. Maybe not as loudly as me, but yeah. Yeah, so I, I, was, I was surprised at how well it looked. Like, it just looks really really nice you know off the back of you know some other games that may not look as good as you would expect them to on the switch this one really did look the part for me metroid prime means a lot because it was my entry point into the series and the game's special because that game was given to me by my friend jesse uh in the u.s and he he said you know he insisted that I needed to play this game. So he sent over his own copy of his favorite game all the way to me to play this. He said, you need to play this game. And sort of, how can I refuse? So, uh, you know, playing that original game on the GameCube, loved it. And from there, I just went and played every other game. So to see that game remastered, um, well, you know, added to the, the trilogy and then remastered today um, it is pretty special. And I went to the point, uh, the most memorable point for me was in the Talon Overworld with the, the raindrops coming down on the visor. You look up into the mm. sky and you see the rain coming down. It's a beautiful moment. And I went up to the same spot that I went to when I played the game originally, uh, which is about a little bit of water. And I just sort of looked up and I saw the, the, the waterfall and then the, the rain coming down. Um, 
the thing that sort of makes this a little bit bittersweet for me is that it's it's great to have um but jesse passed away a few years ago and i can just it would have been so nice for him to see this game you know it would have been great to have seen his reaction to to his favorite game getting this um you know this this update um it would have been fantastic um but unfortunately yeah it's not not going to be the case but uh, yeah, I'm I'm not very far into it. Um, I made some considerable progress and then died and lost all my progress, and now I've got to start again. So I need to get on with that and uh, and play through it. But uh, yeah, from what I've seen, um, a lot of love's gone into it, and I'm based on what I've seen so far. If that's what the whole game is going to be, then I'm I'm in for a good time, and I want to see. Echoes and Corruption get the same treatment just before we get Prime 4, which I'm sure will look even better than that. So the question for the mailbag was, if you could only choose one Metroid game and all the rest disappeared from existence, which one would you save? And here's what you guys said. Let's see, Daniel Hochter says Federation Force. If I can't have them oh. all, I'd rather not tease myself. It's <laughs> interesting logic. So, now we're talking. I just thought that was evil. So he wants to so let me just get this right. So he wants to keep Federation Force and all the rest just disappear from existence. Exactly. Because if it's like if he can't have all of them, may as well just go with Federation that's Force. Just <sighs> I can't tell if that's a mercy killing or masochistic. <laughs> I think it's a mercy killing. <laughs> yeah, I think so too, actually. I think that logic is quite sound. Mm. All right. All right. Another one is, I don't know how to say your name. I'm going to say Bakuil says, hate to lose any, but Super Metroid. Can't lose that week I spent with my uncle playing this game together. It is a great memory and is why that's my favorite Metroid. Oh, that's a sweet reason. That's, nice. that's a good one to keep. It really is. Rob Million says, cop-out answer, but Metroid Prime Trilogy, so you still had three games, but honestly, it would be super. I'd have to go with the trilogy also, because yeah, you get three games there, so That's true. You know, if, you, if you're getting rid of all the others, yeah. at least you still have those three. I wonder if you could use like the eShop as a as a thing, and you got access to like several, well, only for the next month, but you'd have access to, to many of the games. And only if you bought them ahead of time. And only if you had a Wii U as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ryan Kabaki says, going to have to lean into Fusion here, but this hurts my soul to think about. Fusion was a great game. Fusion is good. Example Daniel says, Metroid Dread, and once the newest Metroid comes out, that one. Each game has only fine-tuned previous mechanics, so I would rather be playing with the smoothest controls. That's some good logic there, because hmm. Dread is just so wonderful. Oh, okay. We're going to close it out with this wonderful one from Jerry Bays. This is impossible to answer, but I guess the right answer is Super Metroid. Losing Super Metroid would create an irreparable rupture in the space-time continuum that will destroy the history of video games as we know it. <laughs> well, we can't have that happen, so I guess gotta keep Super Metroid. I suppose that's it then, so only Super Metroid. That's not so bad. I, I could live with that. I could too. It's a good choice. Yeah. And then also... Because it has that little intro at the start that talks about Metroid and Metroid 2, you wouldn't know that they existed, but you'd be like, oh, so wh where are these two games then? And then we'd go searching for them. So there'd be hope of bringing all of the other Metroid games back. And then they would have to just make, like, they would have to remake 1 and 2 with modern technology. Well, there you go. Perfect. It all worked out. <laughs> Indeed. This is Metroid Infinity War, where we're uh, <laughs> trying to reverse a catastrophic event. Yeah. Other M doesn't feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, here's the next mailbag question. We gave you our thoughts, but we want to know, what do you think of Metroid Prime Remastered? Let us know in the comments. Well, everyone, thank you so much for a wonderful episode. Kit and Krista, I cannot thank you enough. It has been so great talking with you guys. Do you have anything you want to add or where can people find you and find your shows? Uh, you can find us at our YouTube channel. Um, it is youtube.com slash Kit and Krista. Um, to keep our channel going, uh, please support us on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash Kit and Krista. 
And you can find us on all of our other social media channels as well. We're on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. All right. Well, everybody, thanks again for listening. My name's Amanda. We'll see you next mission. 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 We are so happy to be back because this is a great episode. We have a two... Let me try that again. Sorry. That's blooper. I always mess up the <laughs> intro once. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 20. Hello, everybody. And I cannot imagine a better time to make a comeback after such an amazing Nintendo degree. And then I'm, of course, joined by Roy and Darren from Shine Sparkers. And my name is Amanda. So we'll see. Wait, how do I usually do it? Do my name? I'm Amanda. I'll be your host today. Okay, <laughs> cool. Like I can't. Well, I do the Zelda show too, so like I can't oh. remember which one I do which way. <laughs> and I totally just peaked the audio. I apologize. It's all right, we'll sort that that's, out. That's fine. Editor's note: It wasn't fine. Um, so you both worked at Nintendo for. A, I'll start that again. <clears throat> okay, let me make sure I'm pronouncing. Is it Maruchak? I don't know actually how you pronounce <laughs> I it. I think it's Maruchak. Just the S and the C is typically a ch. So Eric. <laughs> Eric. I'm just going to openly butcher it and say I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name. So. Yeah. What I mean by danger is, like, not safe for work. I mean, she's covered up. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but people could go in a different direction with it. And they do. I mean, people go in a different direction with in any anybody. I've seen enough Zelda artwork of animals that um, I'd rather never no see more. again. <laughs> anyway, next you. question. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And I just peeked the, the mic again. again. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> we'll take that out. It's fine. Okay. Do you have anything you want to add? Or where can people find you and find your shows? Hello? Yes. yes. Did, we lose, did we lose Kit? Kit, are you there? Krista, this is something you usually do. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> I was waiting for you. <laughs> The Shine Sparkers podcast is edited by Darren Kerwin, Stefan Wells, and Giulio Bruschini, with music from Maserati. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can download more episodes at shinesparkers.net forward slash podcast. You can also listen to us on Spotify and other podcast platforms. For the latest Metroid news, community features, and exclusive content, you can find us at shinespockers.net, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. See you next mission.